0: Our scripture today comes from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maasiah on his right hand, And Padiah, Mishael, Malchiah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathai, Hodiah, Maasiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law, while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. This is the word of God.
1: You can be seated, and you can give her a hand. Wow, that was good. That was good. I failed to mention a while ago uh, some other folks who are with us this morning for the uh, ordination. Uh, Adrian's uh, brother and uh, 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 Chris's family is here, and his mom and dad are here. Would you guys stand? Uh, Gail's parents are here. Uh, They've driven quite a ways to be here. Where are you guys? So glad to have you. And Josh Hayes is here somewhere. Where is Josh Hayes? There he is. Glad to have Josh back this morning. So you guys can be seated. Uh, Well, as we look into uh, this passage this morning, for those who don't normally attend Grace, this is the fourth sermon in a series called Deeper. And the series is all about how to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. We've talked about personal time in the Word. We've talked about the spiritual discipline of generosity and giving. We've talked about the the, uh, discipline of prayer. And this morning we're going to talk about the discipline of corporate worship. I have referred often in our time together to what happened to me in graduate school as I lay on the sofa in my room in that uh, apartment in Columbia, South Carolina, and prayed this simple prayer, God, I don't know who you are, I don't know what you're doing, but I know this, I need you. And he showed up. And something happened with that prayer of desperation that gave me a hunger for his word that I had never before satisfied. Notice I didn't say I'd never had it i had never satisfied it it was a hunger that i was trying to feel with academic pursuits it was a hunger i would feel with potential success in my career it was a hunger that i was trying to feel with the vision for my life that involved what i wanted and i attended church all through college may have missed one Sunday, maybe two, in four years of college. Any parent would be proud of a kid who did that. But as I went to worship, nothing happened in me, nor did anything happen to me. I sat there Sunday in and Sunday out, and it was as if God's word preached in this growing dynamic church. A church, it's the first church I ever attended where you had to wait in line to get in because there was no room for the people. And as God began to work in me, uh, or as I attended that church, nothing happened, nothing. I wonder how many of you come to Grace this morning and you're in the same boat You come Sunday after Sunday, and seemingly there's no change in you. Uh, You're here because your wife insisted. You're here because your husband says, we ought to go today. Maybe you're here because your mom or your dad says, listen, we go to church every Sunday. You're coming with me today. Perhaps you are here because you feel guilty and you think, I must be in church. Whatever the reason is, it is possible to attend a Bible-teaching, preaching church. It is possible to hear the songs sung with great vigor and joy. It is possible to see the excitement and to be on the outside and have nothing happen on the inside. And that happened to me for years. So here these people are. Notice that, as Margaret read, they built a platform on which Ezra could stand. They were ready to hear the word. They were so anxious to hear the word that they went ahead of him and built a platform and said, Ezra, bring out the book. Bring out the book of the law. Why would they want the book of the law brought out like this? Well, we have to delve into their history for just a little bit. You see, their last vivid memory of any public experience in, uh, in Israel was in Jerusalem when their king, Zedekiah, decided that he would, against God's word through his prophet, go up against King Nebuchadnezzar. Zedekiah decided he would go up against King Nebuchadnezzar. And when he did, King Nebuchadnezzar came storming into Jerusalem. And when he uh, came into Jerusalem, he found Zedekiah and found his boys. And he lined up Zedekiah's boys in front of him. And he As Zedekiah watched, executed every one of his sons. Zedekiah, the king of Judah, executed every one of his sons while he watched. And to make sure that would be the last visible memory Zedekiah had, as soon as the last boy fell, he gouged out his eyes. That was the last public memory that these people had had. Wow. And so 70 years pass, and they're allowed to come home. They're exiled, and they're allowed to return home. And when they return home to uh, Israel, to Jerusalem, they discover that the temple has been burned to the ground. They discover that houses have been burned. The walls have been torn down. The city is in disarray. And they begin to rebuild the temple, and so they do. In Ezra chapter 3, we see the temple finished. And when it is, it's a mixed response by these people. Some are rejoicing because now they have a temple. Others are weeping because the temple is nowhere close to its former glory. It's, it's, it's not what it once was. And Ezra describes that you can hear the wails of the people mixed with the joy of the people and it all folds in together for this one kind of horrific sound as the people rejoice and weep. Rejoice over what is and weep over what was. Nehemiah comes in. They rebuild the walls. Probably 20 years have passed since the rebuilding of the temple. It's been 90 years now since there's been any kind of public worship to speak about. And they build a platform near the water gate, and they call on Ezra to bring out the book. I would say to Gail, and I would say to Adrian this morning, that your primary task as a pastor, Adrian, you to these students and to all who will come tonight, Gail to Friendship Baptist, teach people to live by the book teach people to live by the book they bring the book out and when they do Ezra stands to read and when he opens the scroll you see it's different I have with me my bible I use in my quiet time it's duct taped I love this copy of scripture it has places for me to write. I used to preach from this, and it got worn out. I'm missing, actually, a couple parts. I don't like much. Just kidding. All right, um, they just fell out. Don't go quote me on that. All right, so, so but I like to uh, write in here as God speaks to me early in the morning in my times with him. But they didn't have copies like you and I do. They didn't possess those. There was a man by the name of Tyndale who was convinced that the Bible ought to be in English for everyone to read. And you sit here this morning indebted to a Mr. William Tyndale who died, who was strangled to death by the Catholic Church and burned at the stake so that the Bible could be put in English. You ought to treasure this You ought to treasure God's word. And Gail, your job, and Adrian, your job is to teach people to live by the book. And so Ezra brings it out, and when he does, it's a scroll. They don't have copies for them. They found this copy. It's a scroll. And all the people stand, and he begins to read the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And as he begins to read, the people stand in their place for six hours. Six hours they stand Six hours the people stand as Ezra reads the word. Oh, that we uh, would get to the place in our hearts where there is this desire for the word of God. You see, I grew up in church. I went every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. I did all of the church things that church people do. But in my heart was not a desire for the word. And so they stood, and as they stood, Ezra read. And as Ezra read from the law, he gave praise to God. Why? The word always praises God. Always does. He praised God, and when he praised God, the people agreed. They said, amen, amen, and then they fall on their face, and when they do, they bow low to the ground in reverence, and they worship the God of the word. How many people they gathered as one man? There were between 45 and 50,000 of them. 45 and 50,000 of them gathering to hear the reading of the law. Well, they didn't understand. Have you ever had that experience? You're sitting at home reading, and you're like, What does this mean? I, I don't get this. That's why we come to worship. That's why Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near corporate worship, coming together with the family of God, then the onus is on me as the preacher and the onus is on you and the onus is on you on Sunday night to bring out the book, to open the book and to teach people to live by the book. And so the people didn't understand why. Well, there were children standing there who had never heard the word read. They had been gone for 90 years. They had never witnessed what they were now experiencing. There were adults whose Hebrew had become rough around the edges because they had been in a foreign country, speaking a foreign language, uh, having to learn foreign customs, and everything they were hearing was foreign to them. They stood and they listened, and it didn't make sense. So some Levites stood up, whose job it was to assist in worship, and they began to teach The ESV says clearly, the word in the Hebrew suggests paragraph by paragraph, section by section, they taught the word. Had the privilege of being in New York City last week. Adam is here this morning. Last Sunday night, Adam texted me, said I'm headed to church I'll let you know how it goes. He goes to this church on Times Square, and when he gets into this place of worship, he sends me a picture. It's a quite a remarkable light show. It's a fantastic kind of display of lights and other things. And then the preacher got up, whose job it is to teach people how to live by the book. That's his task and Adam said it was one joke after another after another. No substance, no word, no delving into the word, no opening up of the word so badly that he and his father in law just stood up. His father in law looked at him and said, You want to leave? And they left. What a missed opportunity to open up the book. And to teach a crowded auditorium of people the blessed word of God. So what these Levites did was to take it paragraph by paragraph. And as they took it paragraph by paragraph, they explained it clearly so that it made sense. Or they gave the sense that word means insight. Insight. God's answer to his wandering people, God's answer to his hurting people was to open up the book and, and teach them to live by it. I wonder what happened Verse 12 of Nehemiah, Margaret did not read, tells us what happened. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make re- great rejoicing. All right, so they went to the steakhouse. As soon as it was, as it was over, naras I don't know. They all go to eat, and drink and to send portions, sharing food with one another, and to make great rejoicing. Why? Because they had understood the words that were declared to them. When they understood, it brought them joy. There was joy that resulted from hearing and understanding the Word of God. Great joy came. From the Word. That is the response that is expected of any pastor who opens the Word of God. Joy from his people who hear the preaching of the Word. Scripture says faith, Romans 10, comes by hearing and hearing the word. When you miss corporate worship, your faith meter, watch it, will begin to decrease, to decrease, to decrease. Why? There is something about gathering with God's people who believe as you when you gather as one man, who believe as you and the preacher opens up the word and teaches you how to live by the book that builds your faith. Builds your faith. What happened next? They, they discovered through the reading, uh, it was about September, October when this event took place. And they discovered through the reading that mid-September they ought to celebrate the Feast of Booths. They'd forgotten that. Very next section, if you have headings in your Bible, what will it say? Feast of Booths celebrated. They heard and they did. They listened and they obeyed. James would make it clear later, it's one thing to hear the word. It's a totally different thing to do what you hear. Gail, Adrian, that's why it's critical to teach people to live by the book. Andy Stanley, in his book on preaching, says you can teach the Bible to people. That puts the Bible in the forefront. You can teach people the Bible. That puts people in the forefront. Or you can teach people to live by the words of the Bible. The word people occurs a dozen times in this passage. This was all about the people getting the word and their lives changing. That's not all that changed. Chapter nine, if your Bible has headings, says the people of Israel confess their sin. There's something about corporate worship that causes people to see their sin and confess it. Agree with God, sin is sin. I'll say no to it. I'll walk away from it. I wonder this. I wonder what it would look like if we came in here on Sunday and all of us who are believers could not wait for the person who reads the word to stand up just so we could hear it read one more Sunday. Just, just one more time. I want to hear the words flow. What would it be like if all of us came in here and said, I want to get from the word what God has for me in the word today. I'm not here as a consumer. I'm not here for you to entertain me. I'm here to learn what it is that needs to change in my life as a result of your word. What if we collectively did that Oh, I'm convinced that revival would break out among God's people, in God's place, around God's word. We plan to do something when we build this building. It's a discipleship building. It is built as a space in which disciples will be made. And so when it is finished, before we do one thing in it, We'll begin at the book of Genesis and we'll do a schedule and we will sit in that building and read the entire Bible in that building from Genesis to Revelation. When there are only studs and the substructure, we'll go in there in every place we can, write God's Word in. That space. Why? Our number one value here at Grace is biblically based teaching and preaching of the Word. We do nothing that is more important than that at this church. Gail, if God blesses you in your ministry at Friendship Baptist with your flock, it will be because you feed them well. It will be because you teach them to live by the book. Adrian, if God continues to bless your ministry to these students, it will be because you teach them well. Because you teach them to continue to live by the book. I would say to Josh, as you sit here this morning, we miss you. If... You are blessed in your work at Pleasant Gardens Baptist. It will be because you teach them to live by the book. That's what they did. Say, Jerry, what should I do? Let me say something to you, those of you who are from Friendship Baptist. The greatest compliment that you could pay your pastor is to show up on Sunday ready to hear what God has put on his heart. Pastors look for you. They, they look at your faces as they preach. They know your reactions to their preaching. If they have prepared, it's a burden that God puts on their hearts that cannot be alleviated until it has come out of their mouths. Show up with a desire to hear the word, and then live by the word that Gail preaches. Students, I was at a dinner on Wednesday night across the mountain. A school teacher came up to me, who's not from this church. She teaches at West Middle School. And she said, I have some of your students. So at that moment, I wonder, should I be happy? (laughs) Or should I be nervous? And then she said to me, if they ever act up, here's what she said. If they ever act up or act out, i look at them and say, I know what you hear on Sunday. And you'd better straighten up. What is she saying? Adrian and I strongly desire that you live by the book. Our desire is that as you go out from here and as your students in your respective schools, your homeschool associations, wherever that may be, that you live by the book. Amen, church? That's our desire. Adrian and Gail, would you come forward with your wives? And would you uh, get these chairs out and be seated here? Josh, would you come, please? Ordination works like this. We have some deacons who serve on our ordaining councils. And then each of these men is able to choose a couple of men or women, that they would like to come and be part, and so they did. Josh was one of those who was chosen. He's got to get to PG soon, so he's going to go through and be able to bless them. Why ordination? Let me give you a simple one-line definition. Ordination is a church's recognition of God's call on someone's life to Christian ministry. Ordination is a church's blessing of that same call. And so these men were questioned. I'll put on my blog this week the questions that they dealt with. Every arena of theology they answered questions about. They were questioned about their marriages and their family life uh, so that we could be sure their families stand behind them as they serve God in Christian ministry. And we, as an ordaining council, can say with confidence, these men are called by God to serve him in pastoral ministry. And so I have a charge for these men and a charge to the church. Gail and Adrian, do you vow to preach and teach the Scripture as the inerrant and inspired Word of God, always giving it authority over all authority? Do you vow to be consistent in your study of the Word of God, showing yourself approved and a workman unto God? Do you vow to maintain your beliefs in the doctrines affirmed during your ordination council meeting? Do you vow to live up to the qualifications of a pastor found in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1? Do you vow to not only encourage and train your flock to witness, but you will be a witness by sharing the gospel to unbelievers? And do you vow not to neglect your family and love your wife as Christ loved the church? If so, please say, we do. And church, do you, the candidate's home church, and that will be for you as well, Friendship Baptist, and especially for you students who sit here this morning. Do you vow to pray for the candidate as he goes forth to serve God in ministry? Do you vow to honor your pastor with the respect and support that is fitting to the office of the pastor in accordance with 1 Timothy 5? Do you vow to respect your pastor's time with his family Do you vow to recognize your pastor as the shepherd and overseer of the church? If so, church, please say, we do. We We now have this opportunity for you to come and bless them. And before you do, Josh, if you'll grab a microphone or just stand behind that one, Josh is going to pray for these men, and then you have an opportunity, and we've given you time to do this, to come around and say a word of blessing to these men and their wives as they uh, go forward into ministry. Josh, will you pray for us?